do you know where you're going? That's what the lecturer turned and said to me. I just bundled into a lift in Edinburgh at the university, and to be honest, I didn't really know where I was going. The lift stopped, and I was stood there for three hours next to a random university lecturer. I was there um, at a university mission. I was chasing a friend through Edinburgh to get to a meeting first thing in the morning. I'd never been to Edinburgh, and I stood in the lift... And there, as the lecturer turned and looked to me, he said, do you know where you're going? And I had no answer. I was lost, completely lost, without directions, and stuck in a lift. Didn't have my phone, didn't know what was going on. And we stood and carried on for a couple of hours. I'm sure the people that were waiting for me were thinking, where on earth is Simon? And hours passed, and after all that time, I was stuck with no answer still to the question, do you know where you're going? In fact, the moment I stepped out of the lift, it dawned on me I still didn't really know where I was going. I'd only entered the lift because I thought I'd seen my friend go into a building. I'd followed him, gone into the building, got into the lift. He wasn't there, and an old lecturer was. The doors closed, went up about half a flight, and that was me for the next three hours, standing next to the university, university lecturer saying, do you know where you're going? And a lot of more small talk. It's a bit like that in life, isn't it, sometimes? Just little events cause you to ask that question, do you know where you're going? Do you have a five-year plan? Do you know what's coming next? Sometimes it takes those moments, those life events, to stop and address that question. What about even toward death? Do you know where you're going? Sometimes, again, it takes those life events to address that question, to work out what's going on. Do you know where you're going? And that's something of what the disciples are asking Jesus here in John chapter 14. Just flip back with me for a second. Look at John chapter 13. Have a look at verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Just picture the scene. Jesus with his closest followers, having done all these amazing miracles, having made these massive claims that we've seen already through John's gospel, Jesus drops the bombshell, I'm off. I'm going, and where I'm going, you can't follow. Jesus is predicting his death and ultimately his, his ascension to heaven. And so you can imagine the disciples are looking at each other thinking, what's going on? What are we going to do? And in fact, have a look down. Simon Peter won't let it go. He asks, where are you going? And why can't I come? In the following verses. So, as we join John chapter 14, that's something in the backdrop of the conversation. Jesus is addressing his disciples with an answer to the question Simon Peter comes to, to him with. Where are you going, Jesus? Why can't I come? What's going on? And Jesus, first of all, ans answers the question, do you know where you're going? Have a look down at verse 1. Jesus seems a bit matter of fact, doesn't he? Do not let your hearts be troubled. 
Like he's saying back to Simon Peter, don't worry, don't let your hearts be troubled. But look at what he promises. He's speaking to his disciples, remember, those who trust in him. Verse two, he says, I am going there to prepare a place for you. Verse three, I will come back and take you to be with me. See, Jesus is saying, don't let your hearts be troubled because what I've got in store for you is amazing. And that's the same truth for people that trust in Jesus now, as we've seen across John's claims through his gospel already, as Jesus makes huge claims. That's the same truth for us now. Isn't that the best truth you'll ever hear? Jesus is coming back to get his people to be where he is. In everything you do, disciples, first of all, and us, you know that the future is secure. You can know where you're going. But maybe that can seem to lack traction. It can seem to be a bit unspecific. It's quite difficult to put your finger on what that looks like in a working week. How does that change the way I look at the next five years? How does that shape the decisions I make in work life, in family life? What does it mean that God offers me a secure place in heaven? What does it mean when my family's in crisis? When I feel lost? Well, that's something of what Thomas was feeling. Verses one to four there's something of the do you know where you're going question. But see, Thomas comes back with a question. He gets quite a lot of stick in the Bible, Thomas, I think, for being the one who needed to see the evidence, the one who asked the question, the one who wasn't sure. But sometimes simple questions are good, aren't they? Don't know if you've ever stopped to ask directions along on the road, you pull over. Obviously, someone, you choose someone who's walking. If they've got a dog, brilliant, choose them because they're definitely just walking around the block. They know the area like the back of their hand. But sometimes that's the worst, isn't it? You roll over, roll the window down, say, oh, do you know the, the way to the post office? And I say, sure, um, just go over the bridge, turn left, follow the road around the crest. There's a uh, road sign on the left. Turn left there, just over the road. There's an adjacent door. Go through that and down the stairs, left, and then it's just there. And you, you sat there thinking, great, okay, thanks, pull off. You get to the roundabout, and you're thinking, oh, I'm lost. The directions are far too confusing. Sometimes asking simple questions and getting simple answers helps us out so much. And here, Thomas comes back to Jesus with a pretty simple question. Lord, verse 5, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? It's a simple question, isn't it? Maybe you're visiting this afternoon and you're not a Christian and you wouldn't say you trust in Jesus and, and that's all very new to you. If that's you, you're really welcome. We love to just look at the person of Jesus and ask very simple questions. But do you see what Jesus does in response to Thomas? He comes back to Thomas with a really bold reply and he points to himself. See, through John's gospel that we've been looking at, Jesus has made exclusive claims pointing towards himself all the time. 
If that is you and you're visiting and you're having a think about what this looks like, what this means, I'd really encourage you to look and listen over the last couple of um, podcasts at Jesus making claims about himself. Or maybe if you're helping a friend investigate the Christian faith, what better place to start than the claims that Jesus makes about himself? You could even listen back over the podcast. Make that the thing that you go and read with your friend. Let's have a look then at the claim that Jesus makes in verse 6. Jesus answered, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What is it he's saying? Jesus says, I am the way. Jesus is saying, I am the way to where I'm going. Remember, he's about to go to heaven to be with his father. He's saying he is the route, the way to get there. There is no way, no other way. See, trusting in Jesus and accepting what he's done is the only way to get to heaven. Jesus' work on the cross is the only way that we can be in the perfect Father's house that we see in John chapter 14. John 3 verse 36 helps us see that. It says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. It's that clear cut. Jesus and trusting in him is the only way to life in heaven. See, here Jesus is revealing his true hand, his full identity. He's the Messiah, the one that they've all been waiting for. Not just the next mediator like Moses, but he's opened the way to get to God. He's the way and he's the truth. Jesus is claiming to be the absolute truth. Normally, teacher's character isn't that essential, is it? Just think of all the good teachers you've had in life. Think of the best teacher you've had, just for a minute. Probably a brilliant teacher in a lot of what they did, but you maybe don't know what they were like as a person. And to be honest, often with teachers, it doesn't matter that much. Their character isn't essential because they're not making claims about themselves. They're teaching a syllabus. But here what Jesus claims is to be the truth. So his character is absolutely essential. The claim is huge. Jesus is claiming to be the absolute revelation of what God is like. The root of all knowledge, he's saying, is to know me. See, until Jesus came, people were walking in darkness. Even the Jews were, were looking through darkened spectacles at what God was like. There's a prophecy in Isaiah 9 that you might recognise from being read at a carol service. It begins, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. It's often read at Christmas time. And it carries on by saying, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. John chapter 1, the beginning of this account, John pulls together, says, In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. See, all the way through, the claim is that Jesus is the light into a dark world. 
He's the truth which everyone needs to hear. And Jesus is the absolute truth that won't be found anywhere else. That's such a big claim in a world like we have today, where absolute truth doesn't exist to most people. Jesus claims to be the revelation of what God is like. And Jesus claims to be the life. We've seen um, over the last couple of weeks, the theme through John's gospel of life. In him was the life, the light to all people. Jesus came and said he'd come to bring life and life to the full. All the way through its tracking life is not just life now, not just life after death, but linked up. A life that is for all people. It's a new life, transformed now, that comes only by trusting in him. It brings purpose and direction that just can't be found elsewhere. See these three words, way, truth, life? Jesus' claim here is massive and it's exclusive. When you see people in our culture just going for the next quick fix or they're on a quest for happiness and purpose, flicking between different things, is so normal. Going after their next business venture, sporting endeavour, image. Jesus says real purpose, real direction and true life will never be found elsewhere. Maybe you're a Christian and you're listening and thinking, well, sometimes I still feel a bit lost, still lack direction, still don't feel like I always know the way, the next step. I don't know how this shapes my five-year plan. Well, if you're a Christian struggling with your performance as a Christian, what it looks like to live, Jesus makes the claim that he is the only way. He is the only way to be with God. That means our route to be with him is influenced by nothing but trusting in his work on the cross. If you're a Christian and you, you feel like you've lost a grip of what's going on in our culture, you don't know what people are saying about you, you don't know what people are saying about what's true, what's important. Maybe you think that about some specific area Jesus claims to be the absolute truth the one voice that will never get it wrong that ultimately matters that will never fail you that is the voice that we have to look at in the pages of the bible that's the voice that we hear as God's word is open Maybe you struggle with things in life that just won't change. They won't go away. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. I will come back and take you to be with me. That's what he says to Simon Peter, worried about what's going to happen next. Not sure what it means that Jesus isn't going to be with them anymore. Do not let your hearts be troubled I will come back and take you to be with me. But the reality is, 
the world doesn't like these claims. The world doesn't like these exclusive truth claims. Look at how verse 6 ends. Just have a look down at verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some of what I do is with university students, and every now and again I um, have a questionnaire that basically asks a university student what they think of the person of Jesus. And for, most, for the most part, going through the questionnaire, it's quite easy. People say, uh, religious figure, um, don't really know, um, probably believes, believe he was um, historically recorded and accounted for. Gets down to the bottom of the questionnaire. One of the last questions is, read John 14, verse 6, and ask what they make of the verse. And people don't like it. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way to God. There's no truth outside of what Jesus says. You won't find life anywhere else. That's a real warning for those who reject the person of Jesus. That's a real warning for us, even as we think about our lifestyle where we might reject Jesus with our life. Do you know where you're going? Do you know the way? It boils down to what you make of the person of Jesus. See, for the Christian, the one who trusts in Jesus, knowing the way into heaven means knowing that Jesus has rescued us. And so filling our minds with the truth of who he is and what he's like means that we can live a transformed life in him. What does that mean? We have a sure hope of going to be with the Father. That is ultimate direction and purpose. But you can't overlook, this is a massive claim from Jesus. It's huge. In, um, in a sporting context that I've been in the past, I've been in places where people are quite prone to making massive claims about themselves. I'm sure you've been in different um, places where that's true as well. And what happens is when someone makes a big claim about themselves, eventually someone else makes big claims about themselves. And you get to this ridiculous place where people are making big claims about themselves and feeling like they have to counteract them claims with other claims until you get to the point where you can almost guarantee that 50% of the claims going on in the room are false. You can almost guarantee it. So um, I was with a group of friends and um, someone decided it would be a good idea to make sure we got this under control. We made sure that these claims didn't just run away from us. Um, you might be familiar with um, something called eyebrows. It's where um, if you make a claim and someone comes back to you and says, look, eyebrows, you've basically got to say either I can guarantee that that is true of me or back down. If you say I guarantee that it's not true, it's true of me, and you can't come good on your claim, then at that point, eyebrows off, shaved off. So eventually what happens all the time is, you can imagine it, right? People having claims all over the place. Someone says, 
eyebrows. And in that moment, there's just everyone's on tender hooks. What's going on? What are they going to say? Are they going to redact their claim? Are they going to change it? Are they going to pull back on it? Or are they going to come good? And inevitably, every now and again, someone gets their eyebrows nipped. Now, why does that happen? Because we just want to see evidence, don't we? We want to say, prove it. We want to see some substance that it is true. Have a look down at verse 8. That's what Philip's doing. Prove it. Philip's challenge seems ridiculous. He's seen Jesus. He's seen the miracles. He's seen the claims. He's seen all that goes along with following Jesus through John's account. We've seen so much of what's going on. But he still needs to be sure of the facts. And that's a good place to be. It's good that we come to an account like John's gospel and we can say, prove it. The gospel of John lives up to the claims. We can look at the evidence. We have an ordered account. We have the evidence that goes with it. So it's important that if we're to trust in Jesus in all that he says, we can, we can vouch for the fact that this is true. Jesus has proved this truth and nowhere more so than in the resurrection, beating death for all time. Have a look down at verse 12 to 14. Now, in light of this, we have a purpose. Part of life to the full, part of having direction in life, in following Jesus, is what goes on from that. Jesus fleshes out what a purposeful life looks like. Look at verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Well, you might read that and think, greater things than Jesus? What's he talking about? Greater things than Jesus. We've looked at the amazing things Jesus has done through the book of John. Well, remember what it is Jesus has been doing in John's gospel? He's been showing signs. That's what they've been called, massive miracles, they're signs to account to who he is. See all the way through them signs of there's been claims of what Jesus is like. The signs point to the sayings. Jesus has been teaching people about who he is. So greater things, well, it's greater by effect. A bit later on in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus' last words to these followers before he ascends to heaven, is a charge to them. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's a, it's a geographical target board of where that effect is going to have. Jesus' followers will go out and speak for, for him. It will be a greater effect. What's Jesus saying to me and to you, you, if you trust in Jesus, will do greater things than him by speaking of him at the school gate, at your workplace, in your sports club, in your family, 
You will look back. We'll be doing the works I've been doing. That's why one of our core values at Town Church Bicester is reaching people in Bicester and beyond. Because followers of Jesus will speak of him. Sometimes it's hard. It's tricky sometimes as we make relationships, as we spend time with people we really care about. But those who follow Jesus will speak of him. What else will happen? Have a look at verse 13. Potentially problematic verse. Look at it. Does that mean we get whatever we want? See, sometimes if we get whatever we want, we end up with less direction and purpose. Just look at, for example, the rich kids, the, fam- the, the child of the rich family that gets everything they want, no discipline and no guidance. Do they end up in life having purpose and direction? Often, you see that they're the ones that feel most lost, although they've had great privilege. Does that mean that as followers of God, we'll get whatever we ask for? Well, as we mature and fall in line with what God wants, it's not to say that God will give us answers to our prayers in in every way that we want. But just look at the the way he continues, so the Father might be glorified. And those prayers in verse 13, in my name. See, the point is that the purpose for the Christian is to mature in Christ, to be more Christ-minded. What better way to do that than to depend on God for all all things? Let him shape the way we think what we ask for. And when that happens and we ask for those things in God's will, they will happen for us. Do you know where you're going? The Christian has a sure hope in heaven. Jesus says, I'm going to take you to be where I am. Do you know the way? Jesus is the means by which we can get there to be with him. He's the means by which we start as a Christian believing in what he says, and he's the means by which we continue. We can be sure. Jesus has guaranteed, he's proved himself at his claims. And we have a robust gospel which we can trust. We can mine for the details that they stack up. And now if we trust in Jesus, we have a purpose. We have a purpose to be mature in Jesus, to have our desires shaped to be like God's, but to carry on his work, to be minded to speak of Jesus here in Bista and beyond. That's what it looks like to trust that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Let me pray.